Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, a podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Um, your ghosts, your, your ghosts, that's nice. That's a, that's a nice Freudian slip almost. Um, your hosts are Steve Becker and Chris Whitman. Uh, you can find out more, more about us at horrormakesushappy.com. Today's guest is Mia Prime, uh, an aspiring author and fellow, and see, I was going to say horror fan, but when you and I were talking before, you actually used the term spooky fan. So even before we get into the, well, Ooh. let's put that aside for a second. So we'll, we'll do some preamble stuff for the listeners and then I'll ask that first. Um, some trigger warnings. Uh, we're going to be talking about horror-related stuff, which could involve anything. Murder, rape, suicide, child abuse, F-bombs. Uh, Chris and I are not uh, self-censoring in that manner, so if you're not ready for that, uh, take care of yourself and come back when you are. Um, we're going to be asking three sets of questions covering childhood, teenage years, and adulthood to find out uh, a number of different things that we can maybe tie back towards uh, horror interest. Um we're going to do it this way because sometimes it triggers different memories when you come at things from different directions like that. Um, but it's not meant to be a therapy session. So if there are any questions that you don't want to answer, you can just say you'll pass or you want to pass and we'll move on. Okay. Um, yeah. So horror versus, versus spooky. Let's start there. Um, yeah. how, how do you define right. the difference? Uh, and that's definitely something I've kind of had a, break down ever since, you know, being asked the question, you know, why is it that I view horror and spooky as something different? Because certainly I like my horror films as well, uh, but I always feel like there's a distinction. And I think what I've come to is that horror, I immediately start thinking of, you know, the, the gore and the blood splatters and the zombies and all that kind of visual goriness um mm-hmm. whereas with spooky i all the fun stuff yeah exactly all the fun stuff the <laughs> but spooky yeah. is also fun but like i think with spooky while it could have you know some some gore to it um i think there's a little bit more of a mystery element when it comes to spooky you know like you won't say mm-hmm. that uh, a serial killer is spooky you'll say that they're horror because there's that you know you know what this is where it's coming from or at least you know that's the idea is you're going to track down this person and you can get a whole profile on a killer based off of their crime scene that they left behind Mm -hmm. whereas spooky you Mm -hmm. see the lights flicker and you're like that's spooky was it the electricity just having a moment or am i being possessed (laughs) so maybe the word suspense Maybe you're thinking of spooky as being more suspenseful than in your face. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit more of a a mystery. There, there's some element of not quite knowing what's going on, and this might okay. be perfectly fine, or it might not be. Yeah, like more yeah. supernatural. I mean, okay. you could certainly get some supernaturals, but uh, yeah, it's a whole. I think it's just it comes down to semantics and and the way that I kind of define the terms. The reason I wanted to start by asking that was so Chris is more of the horror fan and I'm more of the like psychology fan. So I yes. didn't know if spooky is like some industry term that people who are fans would recognize or is it just like a personal personal description or that that's where I wanted to start with was just to try to define that. So is that like a personal 
Now, most people these days say spoopy oh, with a P because, you know, the internet. I, I cannot tell you how much I hate it, too. <laughs> I don't know why, but I really hate it. It drives you nuts? Uh, it okay, really does. It's, it's one of those words. So it's not just a personal definition. It's this is something that other people besides you, uh, you use a similar definition as well. I, I I think it's one of those cultural things where we think it's a, a personal kind of word, but when you start talking to people and you start having conversations about what you're into, everyone seems to kind of know that there's a difference between horror and spooky. You don't know quite mm-hmm. why you know that there's a difference, but okay. you can immediately tell that there's there's some gray line somewhere and they might be able to to touch and intermingle but there is at some point in time a delineation between something that's horror and something that's just spooky okay so let's jump into the rest of the like the interview proper then so let's start with childhood what are some of your earliest memories of scary things maybe two or three examples of scary things from your childhood uh i think that the earliest things that i could remember really being into um i grew up near a library and I think I probably checked out every single Goosebumps book that there was and read them two or three times over. Um, and that kind of love of like, you know, suspense and scariness, I think that actually rooted more in the show Unsolved Mysteries, where mm. just hearing his voice, you would just immediately get goosebumps. And you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> this is, you know, scary. It's spooky. It's suspenseful. Mm. And it definitely was designed for that. You could tell just by the way they did it. Yeah. And as a kid, you don't know that. You don't realize that, that they're setting it up in, in such a way in order to get that response from you. Uh, but here it is, you know, years later. And the moment I hear his voice, I immediately just get those kind of Or the good theme song. Where, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. So Goosebumps, Unsolved Mysteries. Anything else? Uh, for childhood, I think those were like the strongest uh, influences. Um, I, I've got X Files listed as well, but I think that mm-hmm. is getting a little bit more into, you know, the the older years. Um, okay. But those were yeah. definitely any kind of scary story. Oh, I almost forgot. Are you afraid of the dark? Oh yeah, I remember that. How could you forget that? Yeah, like that's been a long time since I thought about that. But I remember just being terrified whenever that show would come on and yet I couldn't like step away. And I'd always be a little bit disappointed and after this entire show. Um, it wasn't as good as last one or it wasn't as scary. And, um, <laughs> and I couldn't understand that. I was like, why would I be upset that it wasn't as scary as last one? The last one terrified you and you didn't want to go to sleep for like two nights. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that's kind of exactly the reason that I wanted to do this kind of, uh, you know, podcast thing is, you know, I've got a we've got a spreadsheet where we're going to be keeping keeping track of all the guests. And I've got a column for, you know, if by the time we get to the end of this interview, hopefully we can sort of piece together what it is that you personally get out of horror. And um, and by going through and interviewing a number of people, you know, maybe we'll see some common themes um, and maybe some that are not so common and that might be interesting too. Um, so That'd be really yeah, cool to see. yeah. Can you recall if there was anybody with you at the time of these, uh, these memories? And if so, did they react the same way? Like, were they also scared or were they, I mean, this, this one's kind of weird for childhood because usually most of your scary childhood memories are when you're alone. 
Yeah. And I grew up with uh, a lot of siblings. Um, I have five brothers, a stepsister and a half sister, and I grew up with all but one of them. So there was definitely a, a age range, which didn't help because of course the older ones would see the younger ones uh, getting scared and would be able to like mess with them. But mm-hmm. in most of my younger memories, there's definitely at least one of the siblings where we'd watch this and we'd, you know, both be, you know, holding on to our blankets as we're watching the show in the dark because that's what you do when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and they definitely, yeah. I think, helped kind of put certain things into context. You know, I'd see how like one would react versus another one. Um, you know, why is it that this younger brother had a reaction to that particular show or that particular scene, whereas the other ones mm-hmm. didn't. Um, so yeah, as a, as a kid, I think most of the scary stuff came with having siblings around, which I think made it a little bit less scary knowing that there was someone there that would help figure out, you know, what's going on and what do you think is going to happen? And, you know, if nothing else, you can knock on the door and say, yeah, or in the very least, somebody you can look over yeah. to for a glance, like, like, are they having the same reaction? I am exactly. And going back on the, uh, I was just going to say, go back on the, um, the, are you afraid of the dark thing? It's, I did want to just point out, like you can kind of touch on it a little bit, Steve, but you know, it's, it's interesting. Our first guest, like we were saying that uh, things of the horror nature in, in both of our interviews in the childhood phase, we were like, no, it was pretty much fear. Didn't like it. And, you know, we were wondering if we were going to come across any guests who in the right out the gate in the childhood phase were just like, yeah, I loved it. And, uh, <laughs> Seems like we're kind of already going Damn, down first path. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think part of it... Achievement unlocked. <laughs> uh, I think part of it for me, too, is, you know, I, I'm always... I've always been really into storytelling. And when I got these questions that you guys sent me, uh, I had to fill them out the first time and uh, immediately lost most of the questions and had to rewrite them <laughs> and redo them, of course. But um, the... First time I wrote this, I had mentioned that uh, I was really into fairy tales as a kid, mm-hmm. and you know I mentioned a lot of people want to hear fairy tales. They think you know Disney and Disney princesses and you know G-rated happiness. I'm like, no, no, I'm talking about fairy <laughs> tales like Grimm's Brothers. Like you know when you get into like those old German fairy yeah. tales where yeah. if you get to the end of the story and, mm-hmm. and everyone has their appendages and no one's bleeding like <laughs> you haven't really read a good story yeah. <laughs> so i kind of had a bit of a primer Talk about that. you know chopping toes yeah. and heels off and stuff yeah and that was definitely my my first kind of experience with you know stories in general never mind you know any kind of media so when you've got people chopping off toes and heels in order to fit into a shoe or you know princes falling from towers and getting their eyes gouged out by uh, brambles and wandered around the forest for a year blind. Um, I think it, it is not nearly as a shock when you start seeing like the scary movies and, and it just is more visual. I do remember being scared the first time I saw Freddy, uh, but it also intrigued me of like, why? Why did I have that reaction? What was it about this? Let's go back around and see it. <laughs> I will say there's definitely a, a change. Well, I shouldn't say this because, you know, maybe it's just an American thing, but I know a lot of the old fairy tales have been sort of sanitized. Yeah, watering down, Water sanitizing down. the 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 yeah. stuff where I mean, 
back in the day, you know, the fairy tales were really sometimes very gruesome, scary things, partially because of um, sort of inoculizing uh, the kids to the fact that bad things can and do happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, how can I say this? Um, there, There's a lot of people today that don't know how to process their own emotions and expect other people to process or to change reality because I can't process my own emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of that has to do with, you know, childhood that, uh, you know, like the helicopter parenting thing, but we're getting yeah. way off topic here. Um, but, it, <laughs> but I think that That's has you know, something to do with, you know, the, the, that ties into the fairy tale thing that, you know, if you, if you water down the fairy tales to, to, to helicopter parent your child, then you're not necessarily doing, you're kind of doing it a disservice. And that was very much the whole point of fairy tales, like you said, was to tell kids, don't go into the dark, spooky forest alone. You could get eaten by a wolf. Um, Don't go play in traffic. Yeah. Don't do these things because you're not immune just because you're a kid. Bad things happen to kids, too. Um, And no houses are actually made out of gingerbread. Yeah, Don't eat the (laughs) house made out of gingerbread in the middle of the woods. Bad idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't trust strangers. So, you know? uh, so we talked about who was with you at the time. You, uh, how you felt. Um, did this stuff trigger any fears that you hadn't had before? Like, did it make you scared of certain things? See, I was always a little bit odd when it came to a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I didn't realize it was an odd thing. Good Sorry. No, I mean, I would have like bouts where I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to sleep with the uh, lights off today or I need the door cracked. But, you know, it would usually be right after it would happen and then it would fade pretty quickly. Um, I, I think really the only thing that got me, there was a episode of Are You Friend with Dark where there was a invisible monster in the pool. I didn't like that. I did not like that at all. Because I'm not really much for, you know, getting wet and swimming anyways. But the Mm -hmm. idea of something holding you down and nobody can see that you're being held down, that freaked me out. And I did not want to go into the deep end for a while. Um, But that that. really lasted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can totally relate. I think that's actually, I've like molded over. And I think that's probably one of my biggest fears is just the feeling of being in... Like if you were, say, out in like uh, like the movie Open Water, yep. middle of the ocean, there's an abyss below you. You cannot see what's below you. And anything there can drag you into an environment where you can't breathe. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty terrifying. It is. And and you can't just run away. You can't just escape. You're in that creature's domain and they've got all of the advantages and you've got none. That's yep. terrifying. Yep. Yeah. Well, being powerless in general, I mean, you know, I'm, you guys are talking about this stuff and I'm rem- remembering the Metallica song Trapped Under Ice, you know, mm-hmm. same stuff. It's there. So there's a, a powerless uh, part, part, part to this. Yeah, I think, oh, that would get me the idea of being trapped under ice, being so close to the surface and not being able to get through to it and also cold. I hate the cold. So that just puts wet powerless can't breathe cold all my least favorite things kind of in one bucket (laughs) (laughs) oh yay (laughs) definitely probably one of my my least wanted ways to die i think 
So when you were watching this stuff, um, did you know that you were supposed to be scared or, or did you think it was supposed to be entertainment? I think I knew that at some level it had to be entertainment just because, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark was on Nickelodeon. Um, and I was already reading stories that I knew were just stories like the Goosebumps mm. um, and the fairy tales. <laughs> um, so I think that there was definitely an idea that this isn't real. And I think that was kind of my mantra whenever things got a little bit too scary. This isn't real. This isn't real. But I think that's the reason why Unsolved Mysteries absolutely got to me because I couldn't fall back on this isn't real. This is real. This is it's a mystery and it's unsolved and nobody knows what happens and that it's terrifying. Um, so I think that's the reason why I tend to find that distinction between the horror and the spooky because horror, uh, you either know it's real and it's based off a true story and here are the details and you can kind of like dig into it or you know that it's a movie like Freddy or Jason or whatever. Uh, this is just for entertainment. There's not actually more than likely someone in a mask chasing you down to kill you. Uh, mm. Whereas with the spooky, there, there was a little bit of that unknown, like, you know, what's happening here. We don't know. That was weird. You know, the cabinets opened on its own or a door shut by itself, you know, could be the wind, could be something trying to, you know, contact me from the other side and kill me. Who knows? I don't mm. know. <laughs> Did you grow up up North or down here or? Uh, I was born and raised in Florida, so yeah, I'm okay. one of those weird people that actually you know live here. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is when uh, Chris and I interviewed each other, I I live grew up up north, and we had central heat and air up up there. Uh, and I don't know if you ever had the experience as a kid down here, um, but you know when the AC would kick on, the door would move a little bit. The bed, like my bedroom door. And so I would lay in bed and I'd watch the door kind of click, you know, move. Ooh. And you're like, okay, what's that? Because <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought the way you talked about doors moving, I thought maybe you'd had a similar experience. Well, we did grow up in uh, an older house that definitely had its moments. You know, there would be a few had certain doors open in the house it would cause you know the air draft and the air currents to come around and shut doors or open doors on its own and mm -hmm. i learned this the hard way because it'd be you know so many experiences of a door slamming shut and there's no one else in the house but you uh so <laughs> who slammed the door and you know do you just you get those goosebumps and you're on edge and you're ready to go and like figure this out. Uh, but I think this is also what led me to need to kind of figure out what's going on because I remember my dad kind of showing me like, this is how this works. You know, it's because this door is open here. This is where the air is coming from. That's what's making this open. And so I'd be able to kind of test it. And now, you know, going forward from that point in time, I would, I would kind of have that question in the back of my mind. Is this something that's actually a, weird thing that's happening or can i figure out what made this happen ghost yes. <laughs> yeah we um we have a attic that even after being here for 10 years we haven't actually gone up into we keep saying we're going to and we haven't i'm like you know what's gonna happen just the moment we get up there we're gonna realize that there's some guy that's been living in the attic this entire mm -hmm. time and we had no idea and all the weird noises you hear on the roof is the man upstairs in the attic walking around 
Uh, so now anytime we hear any kind of noise on the roof, we're like, the man upstairs. <laughs> Have you given him a name? No. Uh, I I don't know. Like, I never even thought about actually naming him. I think part of the fun for me is mystery. name him and then just like yell up at him. Yeah, be like, can you please be quiet, John? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Frank. <laughs> if I have to come up so, there, Kevin, I swear. So did you uh, did you dress up for Halloween as a child? As a child? Oh, yeah. Um, so when I was younger, uh, when my parents were married, they mm. were actually uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so I had no idea really about any kind of holidays up until mm. I was six. Uh, okay. That's when my... My mother had left and my dad, it was just us kids and everything. And he ended up remarrying uh, to a Catholic woman. Mm-hmm. So that was very much a, a jump in religious experiences for me as a kid, <laughs> going from Jehovah Witness to Catholic. Um, but once he did remarry, of course, their family very much um, were into the Halloween and the Christmas and the Easter and it was just quite the experience to go through the year and realize that there's these celebrations that we have each year that are fun and mm-hmm. you know not not boring That's sort of and interesting stale. because that I I mean the whole jumping from one religion to another is a completely different podcast but um, <laughs> but having that kind of an experience I could see how that would um, make you appreciate all holidays including this one. Yeah, because it's, you know, I remember looking for Easter eggs and I think to myself, this is so much fun just running around and, and looking for brightly colored eggs. Like, why don't we do this all the time? How come we haven't done this before? Um, and of course, you know, just the experience of going to the religious institute of choice, you know, at, at the kingdom halls for the Jehovah Witnesses, they're all very... There's no color. It's usually very bland colors. There's nothing on the walls. There's no pictures. Um, and then I'd walk into a Catholic church and there'd be this gigantic Jesus on a cross. And that was um, scarring to see. Well, yeah, no yeah. I didn't even think about that. And I will say, like, just seeing the glass windows and how pretty they were, that's like, at least I have something to look at and kind of enjoy. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, so when Halloween came around and they're like, yeah, this is a, a holiday in which we dress up and you go out and ask people for candy and they give it to you. My mind was blown. I was just like, what? whatever this is, it was made for me and I was made for it and I need it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, my birthday's at the end of August. So I would start planning out uh, what uh, I was going to wear in August. <laughs> now it all comes together. <laughs> See, that's actually a good point. Like for me, um, my birthday is at the end of uh, November. So I love ah, Thanksgiving. I see. Because that's right around your birthday. You get a little bit of, you know, Thanksgiving well, you know, feast as well as birthday. Well, ju- not just the feast, but, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, family comes over. And when I yeah. lived in Chicago as a kid uh, with my dad's side of the family, it was not just my dad. It was um, his mother my grandmother she had four siblings and they all had at least two or three kids and some grandkids so we had a big family 
Um, and so the, the fam, the whole family would get together for Thanksgiving. And of course everybody would, you know, if they didn't have a present that at least say happy birthday to me. Um, Aww. and so. And plus you probably sense. get the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, so it makes perfect sense that you really enjoyed Halloween because that's right around your birthday. Well, it was, it was a few months out, but it was almost oh, wait, like August. a way to break up. I'm sorry, you're right, because it's August and then September and then October. I'm sorry. Yeah, because I would get to <laughs> to August, and you know, keep in mind, come you know, coming up in a mindset that that really didn't acknowledge um, birthdays or celebrations or any kind of mm-hmm. fun stuff like that. Um, to me, August to and to. October were very close together because mm-hmm. every other holiday that I'd seen were very far apart. Yeah, and it gave me something to look forward to. It's like, okay, I've got August, and that's my birthday. And then as soon as I get past my birthday, then I've got two months in which I need to like get to work and figure out what I'm going to be for Halloween. So it was almost like the start of like the winter holidays um, mm-hmm. and the excitement that comes with the changing of the seasons as much as you can get in Florida. Um, <laughs> but That's kind of funny because yeah. now I'm also thinking like the whole reason that historically uh society has celebrated the winter solstice was because that was the middle point of the uh the winter and you're now celebrating the return towards life and it's kind of funny Mm -hmm. because you're celebrating the second half (laughs) of the year where you're approaching you know the longer part of the the winter there was always something very exciting to me yeah because the idea that it would get darker earlier and I don't know. I always got an excitement to it. And for the longest time, I thought it was just because, you know, once it starts to get darker in the year, that's when all like the best holidays happen. That's when you get, you know, Halloween and you get Thanksgiving and then you get Christmas and then New Year's. Um, And at least in school with Valentine's Day, I was never much of a Valentine's person, but you'd at least get chocolates and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like a whole stretch of cool events that happened nearly every month. Uh, and I always thought that was the reason why I'd get excited that time of year. Uh, but as I get older and I'm kind of reverting back to the not so much into overly celebrating holidays every single time, um, I think it's just that I'm excited that it's getting dark again. I really love it when it gets dark. Hmm. So Chris, uh, one of the other reasons that Chris is a, a good fit for you know, or good uh, pairing with me on this is Chris is more of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, costume what the hell's the word i'm looking for cosplay aficionado thank you um so chris why don't you take the the costume questions all right well i don't know how much of the halloween section i missed but uh as as far as like halloween costumes when you were a kid uh, what was did you have like a favorite or a least favorite halloween costume uh yeah as a kid you know i was say that um i'd get excited at my birthday because it was for me in my head the start of planning for Halloween because I'd have two months to to get there and um, I would go through I don't even know how many different ideas for costumes by the time I finally <laughs> ended up um, on Halloween night and I, I had this weird thing where I had to be something like different I couldn't just be you know a princess like everyone else like mm-hmm. Or a fairy, like everyone, I, I had to have some kind of different thing to it. So when people asked me, they'd be so impressed with how much time and effort I put into this. And of course, you no know, one really was. But when you're a kid, that's how you think. Right, right. Like, like you spend like <laughs> think, six um, months 
and lots of time and effort making this awesome costume as individual and people are like, oh, are you, are you a Ninja Turtle? <laughs> You're like echoing just so many Halloweens from my childhood. <laughs> are you a fairy? No, I'm a sprite. There's a difference. Okay. <laughs> no, God damn it, I'm Una from Legend, the sprite that tricked Tom Cruise. Duh. Can you not recognize this? <laughs> Have you never seen yeah. the movie? And it was just kind of one of those things where you know you realize that people don't get as into it as you do, and then you start thinking you know maybe you're a little bit strange until you find your your people who are also. Well, that- I was just thinking to myself, did you did you have anybody? Uh, did anybody actually pick up on one of your costumes when you were a kid? Did you find somebody at that age? I I think a lot of people just kind of knew that I was a little bit odd, and I enjoyed, you know, fantasy. I, I loved escaping into my own imagination. Um, you know, my parents were thankfully very tolerant of my strange <laughs> requests for Halloween costumes. Um, but what what kind of gets me, and I'm kicking myself now as an adult, um, I have a twin brother. And I looked at him and I was like, you know, we went through how many Halloweens together and we never did a, a twin costume. We could have been Han and, um, I'm sorry, not Han, but uh, Luke and Leia. We could have been, yeah. And he never wanted to do that. He was always, for as much as I'm into the fun dress up stuff, he very much wasn't. So... So did you have a favorite costume? Um, my favorite costume was always the one that I was working on. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything that I was particularly proud of. Uh, and it, it's kind of hard because I also had the tradition of after spending two months thinking about what I wanted to be and, and finally getting dressed up and being excited about like my props and everything. Um, within minutes, I would trip <laughs> and tear the stockings I walked down with bleeding legs and bleeding knees. <laughs> so um, I, I learned pretty quick not to get attached to anything because I was going to end up destroying it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, I, I think for the costumes, I had decided to be a sprite. And I just thought that was the most clever thing in the world because it, it wasn't a fairy. It was a sprite. There's a difference, and and I was sure that just everyone would be intrigued by this and want to know more. And of course, I didn't. Everyone just assumed I was a fairy. And you don't look like soda. It's a, look okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, on one hand, I was thinking to myself of asking the question. So, for our listeners who don't know, would you like to explain? But it sounds like you've been tra- traumatized by having to explain it so many times that maybe I should. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just got to the point where I just said it's a it's a type of fairy. Sure, it's a <sighs> like, and I, I was a little surprised with how much emotions this is bringing up, um, because, like I said, I just thought it was the most clever thing in the world because I read a lot of uh, fairy tales and stuff, and just thought to myself, you know, I'm going to be able to tell people all about this and how how cool this creature is and. No one cared. Not a single person. Oh. So, so speaking of time of emotions, were there time any times where you actually terrified of something as a child? As a kid, I like I remember the occasional like not wanting the the lights to be turned off. But again, like I said, they they would come and go quickly. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything that was like legitimately. I had I had a weird phobia of like talking on the phone. Um, mm-hmm. 
I did not like the idea of answering the phone and being like the, the person that had to like respond to the person on the other end because I had no idea what it was that they would be asking. So that was a weird phobia, but that's, I think, the closest I can get because um, like I had a fear of dogs when I was little for a little bit and then I got bit by a dog and realized, oh, this, you know, the sock, my favorite shirt is ripped up and I'm bleeding and I'm quite literally scarred for life, but that was the worst of it. And I think that experience made me realize that if there's something scary, maybe just face it and, you know, it might not be as bad as you think it is. Hmm. Interesting takeaway. Yeah, it might be why I I didn't shy away from the scary movies and the scary stories and why it was actually a little bit exciting because, you know, why let this thing own your life and and make you not want to do something? Um, How old were you when you got bitten? uh, Six. I think I was six. Yeah, I was pretty young. And it was, it was my fault because there was, you know, the dogs in the yard and I was a little kid and I saw the dog and I decided, you know what, it's a good idea. Let's run. Let's just <clears throat> turn around and book it. Um, and of course, dogs do what dogs do when they see something tiny running. <laughs> it ran after me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Did you have any scary dreams when you were a kid? Um, I used to always dream about being chased by something. Um, hmm. Like dogs? You know, maybe it could have been a dog. <laughs> um, you never got chased around the kitchen by a wolf, did you? You know, Chris, not that I can remember. <laughs> that was one of Chris's dreams when he was a kid. Yep, yep. Chased, uh, chased by a wolf uh, around the kitchen. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't sleepwalk anymore, but I do still occasionally sleep talk. And my husband says that um, <laughs> one time I, I woke up from a dead sleep and I just looked at him and I looked angry. And I was like, I apparently crossed my arms and I said, bacon, where is it? It's not here. And I made this whole gesture to show the bacon that was not here. (laughs) Where is the bacon? (laughs) Which is really funny, too, because I've been a vegetarian for most of the time that he's known me. So I don't know why I was asking for bacon, but it wasn't there. I don't know. You don't even like bacon. That's definitely one of those inside jokes that will last a lifetime. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll just occasionally look at each other if something's missing and then we'll be like you know um my shoes where are they they're not here <laughs> they're with the bacon of course <laughs> wherever the bacon is that's where the shoes are <laughs> <laughs> so when chris and i were interviewing each other um we mentioned we mentioned earlier uh, a few minutes ago that uh, you know, we have some questions in here we that we th- didn't think applied to us, but we figured might apply to someone else. Um, and the next question here is, you know, did so did horror in your childhood make you happy? And uh, it sounds like, yes, it did. You actually enjoyed uh, some horror or spook- spooky, if you prefer, elements as a child, which is cool. Yeah. And I think if nothing else, it was it was intriguing and I wanted to know more and you know, like I said, like I, I do remember like certain scary movies scaring me. Uh, but for the most part, you know, oh, I just I was drawn to it instantly. Cool. Um, so what about uh, teenage years? What uh, what were the bigger influences or most memorable horror related stuff um, in your teenage years? I think X-Files is definitely one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, God, I loved X-Files. I just I was obsessed 
I think I got into the Fear Street books right after the Goosebumps books. Um, and I do remember actually being scared of one of them. I can't remember which one. Um, but yeah, I remember one of them actually like it was the first time like a story, like a book that I'd read kind of gave me a moment of, oh, oh, my God, that was scary. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I, I tried getting into Stephen King uh, and, and, and didn't really fall into it as much as I did some of the other medias, um, which is too bad because I, I read it a little bit more now. And I'm like, I could have seen how this would have been both something I would have been into and not. Um, but I, I'd have other people talk about how scared they were reading Stephen King. I'm like, yeah, really? Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Yeah, Anything nothing else? against him or anything, you know, just, I guess the way that my mind takes in words and the way that he forms words, it, it didn't quite hit the same way, except there was a, a short story about um, frogs raining down from the sky and eating a couple that came through. And I guess every... Every huh. year or every so many years, there was always a, a man and a woman that came through this town. And this is when the frogs would rain down and the frogs would eat this couple. I'm like, okay, that is legitimately scary. <laughs> yeah, that what was scary. it that scared you? Um, I, I think probably what came it down to, they never explained why it was that there was this storm of toads that was coming down um, and that they had to eat a couple and that this couple always came through is always a man and a woman whether they were you know like romantically linked or otherwise uh it just made me want to know like more about well, why like what yeah. is it what like, what, what triggers this response uh and since it was never really answered or at least that i can remember um it still always kind of stuck with me like why but why but explain it to me yeah, why why um, like and then the idea of being eaten i think any person would have some kind of um, deterrent toward being eaten by another animal, yeah. um, which I guess we could throw in there. Like, you know, I, I've always had a little bit of a thing about alligators because mm -hmm. uh, they can eat you. Yes, they can. <laughs> and I think just the idea of these frogs, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I was necessarily scared of toads, but, you know, when you read so many fairy tales about toads and mm -hmm. being turned into them and then having mm -hmm. another story about toads eating people you know it kind of flips the script okay. a little bit don't mess with toads just don't mess with them <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sorry I, I gotta i gotta come back on this so how exactly did the I, toads eat the people like i mean was it was it a large toad big enough to consume a person or did, was it like a mass of toads that ate them like swallowed? yeah and i could be remembering the story wrong but from what i remember it was like a a rain of frogs and mm -hmm. and a flood of frogs or toads. I think it was toads, and they would stop at nothing to get through to the victims, uh, uh -huh. and then swarm them and eat them. And I'm like, they gum them to death. Nope, do not eat that. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, ambiguity. Every writer's crutch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ambiguity, I think, just really, it gets me when I don't know something. Yeah. Like, as soon as I know the answer, it takes away the mystery. Yeah. Okay. So X-Files, Fear Street, uh, the Stephen King story, any other memorable thing from teenagers that's uh, horror related? 
I just started, like, yeah, I got more into, like, horror things. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think the reason why I'm having a little bit of trouble finding examples is that specific question of anything that scared you. Um, and, and because I wasn't, I mean, sure, there were scared feelings with some of this, but uh, a lot of times it would come with intrigue, too. So I will we'll so have to go with the alligators. <laughs> so so let, well, let's change the question. What uh, was there anything related to the horror industry that excited you during the teenage years specifically? I liked how the stories were told because, you know, having grown up reading the fairy tales in which there was a definite kind of beat and rhythm and flow to these stories. And I loved them. And then when, you know, my dad remarried, you know, my stepmom was really into Disney. Um, and, you know, I realized that there's a very big difference between those fairy tales and what I knew as fairy tales. So I felt like for a while, a lot of the stories being told to me were very much geared toward kids. And it had that sanitized, washed down, washed out kind of flavor to it. So when I got into my teenage years and I discovered scary movies and I discovered like horror in general, uh, the way that it was presented and the way that it was set up where you're not given, you're not spoon fed everything immediately uh, is dragged out a little bit that I think, again, it comes down to that. You know, I need to know, I want to know, like I'm stuck here until you explain to me what's going on here. Um, and I think that's kind of what drew me is just that they didn't shy away from a bad thing happening. They didn't shy away from, you know, the grittier side of life mm -hmm. and that was refreshing after you know disney movies <laughs> okay so like the twists the twists and turns and the storytelling technique uh, yeah cool um so you had commented earlier about finding your people um did that happen in your teenage years or later I think it was a little bit later um okay. certainly you know in high school and everything I had friends that had similarities uh, but I think I felt pretty lost, like most teenagers do, uh, for a really long time. You know, nothing seemed to fit. And for a long time, I thought that just maybe, you know, life wasn't all that interesting. Um, and I was prepared to buckle up and wait for another 80 years of kind of um, mediocrity, I guess. Because, mm. uh, you know, like I said, just as a teenager, it took a while before I started finding really things that, that grabbed me and... Um, you know, it was a lot harder for me to explore that until I got a little bit older and I got on my own and was able to start digging in because, you know, keep in mind, I, I had a lot of siblings. So mm -hmm. being able to, for my parents to adjust to one kid's specific interest is very difficult. You know, they had to find entertainment that would, you know, keep seven kids happy. Um, and so a lot of the, the music that my mom would listen to going to and from work was, you know, top whatever. Um, and then when we'd get movies for the weekend, it was usually family friendly movies, not out of any kind of, you know, I don't want my kids to see this, uh, but just out of, you Something know, the oldest one's a teenager, on. the youngest yeah. one's a kid. What can we watch all together? Right. Okay. And that's fine. I, like we said, some of these questions are geared towards, uh, you know, the eventuality that maybe somebody might have a reason to go into this and so if you didn't have yeah. your crew in high school for example or teenage years then we just don't need to go into it that's fine yeah um yeah so 
how about uh, Halloween in your teens? Any? I was. Good. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I was still dressing up in all the way throughout the entirety of high school. I did not care if people thought, you know, it was a kiddie thing to do or not. Um, if, if for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't go trick-or-treating. You're, you're 25. Yeah, I think it, you can stop now. Um, <laughs> Hell no. Like, don't uh, you guys know? There's, they're giving you free candy out there. I'm like, <laughs> and they're giving it away by the handfuls. Did you see my, my load last year? It was an entire pillowcase full of candy but uh so any yeah. specifically memorable events or costumes or candy or I, I remember going to like halloween parties and halloween like it, it was geared toward like teenagers and um i had for my my first job that i'd gotten in like you know when i was 15 16 my very first paycheck i bought this velvet white gown from hot topic <laughs> Hmm. And uh, so that was my Christmas, Christmas, my uh, Halloween uh, outfit for like, I think two or three years running uh, where normally I would not want to wear the same costume twice. I was like, how can I make this one dress into more than one thing? So Mm -hmm. I think I was like the undead bride or something one year. And then I was um, a ghost and then I was a vampire and just i don't know i just took this one piece and kept reinventing it and you know granted they weren't all that exciting because i was still a teenager i was still um you know limited by however much minimum wage was back then but it kind of taught me how to play with creativity you know that you don't have to do something completely different every single time you can try something new any least favorite costumes just ones that didn't work out (laughs) yeah it was just ones that 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 people didn't immediately fawn over and say oh my god you're a genius this is beautiful and great (laughs) which you know was more than i'd like to admit but um you know if if i put my time and effort into a costume typically it was something i was really excited about so there wasn't too many that i was like oh i get to be this yay um (laughs) i I enjoyed slipping into a, a new character each time i really enjoyed the the freedom that came with playing dress up and the idea that people give you candy for it on top of it, it it's hard to have a bad memory and a bad costume uh with that mindset <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and i can also see a connection between you being an aspiring author and like you say you know getting into a new character and the storytelling part of it so it's not just the horror aspect it's also the the storytelling as you say it very much is did you have any uh was there anything you were like terrified of as a teenager I'm trying to think because, you know, I was definitely, um, I lacked a lot of confidence as a teenager because I'm a teenager. Um, I think most teenagers struggle with that. Um, and, and I had like a legitimate like phobia for a little bit, again, of like talking on the phone where just I kind of like freeze up and not want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Any well, scary dreams? Sorry, you were going to say something? I was, I was trying to think of like scary things like teenage wise. Um I did have a boyfriend that claimed he had a haunted house. Um, And of course, I didn't believe him at first. Um, (laughs) But there was one experience that to this day, no matter how much I try to break it down, I'm not entirely sure what it was. Um, He told us the story of uh, the couple that lived there before, the husband, you know, trigger warning for anyone 
uh, about hmm. abuse, but uh, the the husband was abusive, and according to the story he told me, the husband had kept the wife inside, would not let her go outside. Sometimes he'd lock her into the closet, um, you know, and beat her, unfortunately. Uh, and then one day he ended up actually murdering her and hid her in what used to be a fireplace and now was just this weird alcove. Um, and I always thought that area in the house was a little bit odd, just like the way that it was shaped. But I was like, okay, well, he's just trying to scare me and, you know, good luck with that, buddy. Um, <laughs> But we were sitting there one day, and we're in his room, and I hear in the room next to us, like, this banging. And I start giggling, and I'm like, is your, uh, is your roommate home? Is, is she having sex with her boyfriend right now? Because I don't know if she knows this, but we can hear her. And his eyes get huge, and he looks at me. He goes, she's not home. She's been staying the night with her boyfriend for the last week. And then as he's saying this, that banging just keeps happening and like there's like a rattling noise and it just keeps getting louder and louder and more frantic and I think that was what really got me was that what started off was a boom 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 and then the longer it happened the more frantic it got and it was boom 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 yeah time to go okay it's time to go let's go investigate no so we very slowly very quietly opened the door and I can see the closet that was kind of like on the other side of his room, but was in her room, um, mm. rattling. And it's making, it was definitely 100% that door because I saw it moving. And we kind of opened it up a little bit more to see if we could get a better idea of what was going on. His cat, <laughs> who was like at the door trying to get out, uh-huh. raced out of the house. We did not see that cat for like a good week the thing would not come back to the house. Hmm? And then um, the door stops and I open it and there's nothing in there. And I'm like, all right, time to go. All right, come on. Yep. Let's go. <laughs> I'm coming back here. <laughs> this is go. fun. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it was the only time that I, I really had a situation that I couldn't explain. And that was like scary. Uh, but he's like, don't worry. Um, you know, she's a friendly ghost. She doesn't like men, but you're fine. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> Shit happens and you can't explain it. So. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, even though I really enjoy these types of stories and even though I technically got one of my own, um, I don't necessarily believe in ghosts. I don't necessarily believe in a lot of things that people would attribute it to, um, you know, demons or whatever. But I do think that there's certain things about this world that we may not necessarily um, understand or know exists. Uh, and that, that plays right into uh, the things that usually get me, which is unexplained, mysterious, you don't know the answer. Um, so, you know, whether or not it was legitimately the spirit of a deceased person that that is you know either grabbing your leg or banging on a closet door um or if it's something else point is i don't know what the answer is right and i don't like that i would like to know the answer please <laughs> exactly so as far as uh, general or specific things about horror in this portion of your life that thrilled you or made you excited uh it sounds like the common themes are the storytelling and the unknown yes very much 
And I, I don't think that this would have been something I would have put together myself unless you know you had requested for me to come and, and be on this. So thank you so much for that because it really gave me some time to deep dive into you know the things that have intrigued me growing up and to kind of notice these patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of what the show is about. Yeah. So, it means I know more and I like yes. knowing things. Yes. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> so moving into adult now, uh, last of the three stages, what are some of the scariest stories or books or movies or uh, horror or spooky related stuff that you have experienced in the adult world? Um, so I think following like the media uh aspect of it or the entertainment aspect um I, and i'm not even sure if this is something that i should be embarrassed by or not because i've never really talked to anyone else to see how other people reacted to this um but i don't know if you guys watch marble hornets back in the day on youtube or mm, have marvel, you ever heard of it? like marvel comic books or marble like the stone like the stone marble hornets so, yeah it was this youtube i mean this is like back in like 2009 so like youtube was still pretty new um and yeah i i hate that it's so long ago but um <laughs> i was doing a little bit of research on it because you know i was trying to remember like was this something that just was the moment or um was i legitimately scared of it now Oh my God, that thing scared me so much because it was Slender Man. Uh, back when Slender Man was like pretty you know, new and um, there was still a lot of the lore being built around him. And it was like student made. So uh, people around my age at the time that they were, they were making a movie called Marble Hornet. And uh, one of the characters in this is um, going through the old videotapes back because you know back then we still had videotapes mm. <laughs> but um as he's going through the videotapes he noticed that you know one of the characters um had gone missing he moved away they couldn't find him and there was weird things happening in the video uh you would get like distortions and noises um every now and then you would see slender man in the background uh and then as the investigation goes on it just it would creep me out so much because there'd be things just kind of right outside of your immediate notice mm -hmm. that fans would pick up on and this was all done mostly through like youtube and twitter so the character the main character that was kind of like the narrator for the story was acting as if uh he was a real person real time I, there's a name for it and i'm i'm just missing the name it's like um alternate reality stories or something and mm -hmm. they've gotten more popular over the years but basically whoever's telling the story will create real life twitter accounts youtube accounts uh instagrams whatever and the story is kind of told in real time and people follow along and they break the codes in the videos in order to get like secret messages and as i was kind of reviewing marble hornets to get a, a better recall of it because I, I don't think i finished it um, I was like, this stuff is seriously creepy, just so creepy. Cause you would, you would see, uh, 
a scene where it's just them kind of chit-chatting and talking about like the next scene that they're going to film. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, Slenderman is like in the background, standing there watching. Okay. So other than Marble Hornets, what else? Uh, anything else? That really, uh... um, I, I definitely had my, my experience of just, you know, creepy experiences, creepy um, encounters with actual monsters, like, you know, people that are just terrible. Uh, but I think one of the good things about being a horror fan is it teaches you to stay on your toes and to pay attention to what's going on because there's probably clues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that actually probably helped keep me from being kidnapped one time because uh, there was definitely someone that tried to kidnap me on mm-hmm. my way back to my car after a night out. Um, that was terrifying. Yeah. Uh, but I think just growing up in a world where your mind is always kind of trying to grab any kind of clues, you know, most of the entertainment that I would take in would be some type of problem solving, you know, get that information, figure it out, do it quickly because. Otherwise, you know, the antagonist of the story is going to get you, Um, you know, so you got your fairy tales and you got your horror movies where you got to figure out how to save the day before you're the next victim. Mm -hmm. So on this particular night, I was, you know, I I walked into the club that I was going to and just immediately felt something was off. And I was like, "Hmm, okay. And um, some someone there, a stranger that I did not know, kept trying to give me a drink and I'm like, yeah, nobody, that's not going to happen, but thanks. Um, finally, like when he did manage to quote unquote, buy me a drink, um, I of course just tossed it down the sink and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get out of here. Something's wrong. I don't know what my spider senses are going. And then as I'm walking, like just that, that voice in your head starts almost like screaming at me, like you need to get to your car. Don't run, but get there now don't stop for anything. And then just as soon as I got to my car, this other car like pulled up and um, parked kind of like behind me and tried to like come up to my passenger side door and and get in. Um, And of course, by that time I was already speeding off, but oh, I mean, that's I think the closest thing that I've had to a real life, like I'm legitimately terrified of something. because I think I think it's important to sit down with the things that you're uncomfortable with. So, you know, when I was afraid of heights, I jumped out of a plane. When I had my fear of talking on the phone uh, in childhood, I got a job in which I had to talk on the phone. Um, talk, when you were when I was scared of talking in front of people or um, being in the center of attention, I joined the drama club and got into plays. And I've always enjoyed that that aspect of sitting with the uncomfortable facing your fears uh but that's one experience that i have absolutely no interest in meeting this person and breaking down that fear i know enough i don't need to know anymore uh stay away please and thank you (laughs) great yeah so i think you know for horror for scary and i'm not even sure if it counts in this particular aspect but that would do it for me (laughs) Well, I mean, I, so that sounds like, because later, you know, further down in the questions, we do ask about, is there anything that legitimately terrifies you uh, or, and that one is <laughs> definitely answers that question. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, the, the initial question about st- scary stories or books or movies that you've 
been uh, exposed to as an adult is more geared towards um, fantasy. Um, We, I definitely do have questions or we definitely do have questions that are geared towards addressing both the fantasy and the reality. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this just goes in that other checkbox, if that makes sense. So uh, other than Marble Hornets on the fantasy side, was there anything else that has it or even has interested you as a fan? Like when I did my interview, the three things I listed were things that I was a fan of, which and for Marble Hornets, it did sound like you were a fan of that. Yeah. So I'm definitely a fan of um, that, that kind of pacing where you're, you're given information very slowly uh, and is not spoon fed to you. You kind of have to put the pieces together. You're, You're not told something scary happened because of a, loud noise, you're told something scary has happened because of something that you saw in the corner of your eye, something that moved by, um, that is presented in a very normal way, but is actually, uh, you know, honestly terrifying because there's a dude in a mask standing there or whatever. Um, those are the kind of things that I get drawn toward. Um, you know, I do still enjoy horror movies. You know, I'll sit back and watch, you know, Freddy or Jason or any of the, I mean, I actually really liked Jeeper Creepers 2. Couldn't stand one. Loved Jeepers Creepers 2. I thought it was really funny. I love, I love when a story combines horror and humor. Um, there's something about the juxtaposed of the two that, I, I mean, I've got a very kind of dark humor, kind of sense of humor. Um, so when you put those two things together that you would not think should go together, it almost makes it even better. It makes the scary things scarier and it makes the funny things funnier because you're already in this heightened sense of um, experience. And I just remember with Jake Creepies 2, there was a part where whatever the creature is, I can't even remember what he was, but um, he was after one specific character and they're all on a bus and he's watching them from the, um, from the back window and he's pointing and each character on the bus, because there were a bunch of school kids, or not school kids, like high school kids, um, they're, they'd point to themselves and be like, no, not you, and kind of wave them away. And he goes down this entire line of characters, like waving them, waving them. And then he gets to the last kid. He goes, you. And his eyes just like light up. He's like, you, I'm going to eat you. And I'm like, that is both terrifying and hilarious at the same time. And I love it. I think, uh, I think that's also a common thread that we're probably going to find among all horror fans is, uh, just the dark sense of humor. There's got to be some, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a good question that we should probably dig into as well as why, why is there a common theme of horror and uh, humor? Um, I'll have to put that on the back burner and think about that. I got my theories. What are they? Well, so, um, and I don't want to take this too far off topic, but uh, <laughs> briefly, I, <laughs> I think that there is definitely something about being in an excited state of mind, uh, which happens most often with things like fear. Um, it enhances your your senses in a lot of ways. It gets that voice in your head to kind of quiet down for a second instead of asking a bunch of inane questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of go into flight or fight mode. Um, and when going through these questions, it made me think about something else that I had kind of stumbled across. Um, I had read about where fetishes came from and, and not just like, you know, turn ons, you know, where, oh, I like 
girls with blonde hair, but like legit, like fetishes. You know, this is a thing that does it for me always, instant, yes. Um, and they, there was a theory going that it came from fears because you, you're already in that excited kind of sense of mind. So any emotions you experience in that mind frame, of course, are heightened. Mm. So uh, the examples they gave is, you know, if you have a fear of, let's say, um, police or authority or whatever, you probably also have a fetish regarding uh, uniforms. Uh, if you have a fear of going to the doctor, going to the dentist, you probably have, you know, a doctor fetish. Um, and these, of course, are very kind of surface things. I won't go too far into um, examples, but it made me realize, you know, that's, they got a really good point, whether or not it's true. When you are in that fight or flight mode, yeah, you feel everything more intensely. I do think there is something there. Um, touching on two things that you brought up. Uh, for me, the two, the connection there is uh, two things, shock and subverting mm -hmm. expectations. Um, yeah. Humor is all about setting one thing up and then giving you something else and, and uh, yeah. subverting that expectation. And if it's, if there's a shock associated with it, that's even better quite often because that uh, accentuates the, it, not only is it subverted, but subverted that much more. Um, mm -hmm. And the thing with the fetish for me, my experience with it has been that for me, I believe um, not just fetish, but even vanilla uh, sex is about crossing boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, consensually. Uh, yeah. Even, even consensual. You know, if you just even take, the most vanilla thing that you can think of where, you know, very conservative Christian missionary position stuff, <laughs> you know, even that can be thrilling to them because for those people in that mindset to them, they are crossing a boundary. They're, they're doing something that they say to themselves, we're not supposed to be doing this unless we're married, unless we cross our, all these check boxes that say that we can do this. And if we, if we weren't, if we didn't have all these checkboxes, we shouldn't be doing this. And that enough is is enough for them. Now there are other people who that's not enough for them, and they have particular boundaries that they like to cross. But it's that the the thrill of coming up to the boundary and then the crossing of it. Um, in my interview, I, I referenced a quote that talks about um, I can't remember if it's uh, Arabic or Buddhist. But there's a quote about the angel of death, that when the angel of death approaches, it's terrifying. But once they're here, it's bliss. Like there's something mm -hmm. about the crossing of the boundary. There, the tension builds and then releases. Uh, yeah. Anyway, well off topic. And I, no, because I, I think that's very much correct. I think you've got a few different things going on there is, you know, that this is a thing we shouldn't be doing. This is, you know, scary. This is different. This is um, a boundary. Um, you know, I'd mentioned that when I was afraid of heights, I decided to, to jump out of a plane. And I remember when I did that, I was sitting in the office waiting for all the forms to be filled out uh, before I got my chance to go skydiving. And as I'm filling out this form, I mean, of course, I'm really nervous. I'm about to pay someone a lot of money to take me up into a plane and then jump out. Mm -hmm. uh, but I saw this picture of a guy um, 
when you jump your first time, you always do a tandem. Uh, you're not allowed to, to just jump on your own because people die. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's strapped to the tandem instructor and the instructor has just this look of pure bliss and happiness as they're jumping out of the plane. He just, you know, is so excited. And the, um, the client looks just absolutely terrified. <laughs> His face is just like you couldn't get a more characteristic look of terror. And he had signed it. Um, you were right. This really was the worst part. I enjoyed every second of it. I uh, can't wait to do it again or something like that. Um, and that's what everyone had said is like, you know, the scariest part is that first, uh, moment when you leave the plane, but if you can get past that part, which you kind of don't have a choice, uh, <laughs> you get past that part, you're fine. So sure enough, when I went up, you know, I remember looking down and seeing how far up we were and it was terrifying. And the jerk decided, Hey, let's do a somersault out. So you could see the plane falling away from you. <laughs> um, yeah, and like my heart stopped and I'm freaking out. Yeah, and the moment I was in it, as soon as those first few seconds passed, oh my God, it was it was almost peaceful. Like it was a great moment and, and I absolutely loved it. And, you know, haven't done it since, but I would, absolutely. Uh, and it's that matter of a boundary. Um, we're afraid of the unknown. For me, I, I've very much learned if I'm going to be scared of something, it probably has something to do with not knowing all the factors. Uh, as soon as I know all the factors, I'm fine with it. I'm comfortable with it. Even if I don't necessarily like it, I've got the factors. Uh, and that's very much what you get with fear, with horror, with sex. A lot of times, particularly as like, you know, a teenager when you're new to it, uh, it's scary. And then you enter into something wonderful, hopefully. Consent right. consentingly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of stuff there. Uh, and <laughs> emotional for me as well. Like just listening to you going through it is making me emotional too. Um, so during your uh, adult years, were there any uh, fears that you hadn't had before that uh, came in or uh, maybe ones that you had from an earlier time that got re-triggered? Other than, I mean, we've already talked about the uh, the kidnapping, but anything else? Yeah, uh, yeah. When I was, uh, I'd say about six years old, I was. Yeah, everything happens when you're six. Apparently, uh, I had this big, huge palmetto bug flying my hair, and I could not get it out. And you know, that was not pleasant. Nice. Uh, and I thought, for the most part, that I, I handled that fear uh, because I can catch roaches and I can release them. I don't like it. I can do it. I don't like killing things. I'm just, it's not my, except for mosquitoes. I will absolutely murder some mosquitoes, yeah. uh, but pretty much anything else uh, I'm catch and release. Uh, but we had some construction going on in the house uh, recently. And of course, when it comes to construction, people have doors open. Uh, you get people coming in and out. And of course, you know, we had, bugs that we had to catch and release. And I learned that uh, there's only so much of it I can take. Uh, I got to the point where I was like, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. If I see one thing move again, I'm going to freak out. Um, and we, we definitely paid to have someone come and just absolutely spray the crap out of the house because I got to the point where I was sure I was seeing things move. Like 
And anytime I turned around, something else was moving. I was like, no, it's a, it's a paper. Okay, it's fine. Oh, oh no, no, it's the dog. It's fine. Oh, no, that's me. Okay. Whew. <laughs> yeah, I can completely understand what you're saying because when I lived in New Jersey, there was an apartment building that I lived in that it was a, there was a store on the first or actually a restaurant on the first floor and then five or six apartments uh, above and behind it. And it had a so, super bad roast uh, roast roach infestation that was so bad that, you know, normally when you come into a room and like you flick on the light and there are roaches, they run. These fuckers wouldn't even run. They were just like, hi, oh. you're home. Like, <laughs> Need multi- anything? yeah. Would you bring us like multiple of them, like five <laughs> or 10 of them per room? Like it, it just, whoa. Oh. And to this day, I, if I see something that looks like a bug in the corner of my eye, I will turn and look at it. Like there's, there's a, a I have a, a mark on my floor in my kitchen from when I moved the refrigerator and one of the feet caught the linoleum and pulled it. Uh, and it just bugs the shit out of me now because almost daily I'll walk through the kitchen and I'll see this little mark on the floor and I have to turn and look at it. And I know it's not a fucking roach. It's just a scratch in the floor. But anyway, but I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was definitely my life for a little bit there where, uh, if a leaf came in, just, you know, tracking leaves in from outside and it would just be laying there and have a little heart attack and see it. And no, that's fine. And that's the funny thing is like, they're just, they're just bugs. There's, they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to do anything. They're not even like, I don't even think they carry any kind of disease or anything. I could be wrong. Who knows? I don't want to find out. Don't tell me that they do because <laughs> that will just make it worse. Um, so you had t- commented about finding your people in your adult years. Uh, we haven't talked mm-hmm. about that yet. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. The, the city I'm in very diverse, uh, group of people and it's something I really, really enjoy. So when I came across the club that I come to the most, uh, when I go out and go to clubs, um, I definitely found the type of people that are into similar things. Uh, people that would get excited about things like dressing up as a sprite for Halloween and would know what it was and the difference, mm-hmm. dang it. Um, so it was really fun to to find a group of people that didn't blink twice at, hey, you know, let's let's dress up, <laughs> you know, let's let's wear cloaks and tiaras and wings and you know fangs and claws and sure throw it all on and add some glitter on top, um, and of course. From there, I was able to find people that were into similar types of entertainment. Um, you know, we have the horror convention every year in Florida, uh, spooky. And, um, you know, that was the first time I realized, like, even if I, I don't specifically gravitate towards horror in the general sense where it's, you know, like, again, and I know I'm just going back to the classics again, again, but like um, Jason, Freddie, the fandom is mm-hmm. just a great group of people. Yeah, they're good people. And and I, I have a theory about that. When you get these people that dress up weird and you get these people that are into weird things like horror or, um, you know, investigating crimes and serial killers and all that, uh, you see the weirdest part of them kind of up front. Here it is. These are the weird things I'm into. Uh, whereas other people, they kind of keep their stuff under wraps. And so you don't know just how deep that that well goes in their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a better idea with people that kind of wear it on their sleeves. And I think that's one of the reasons why you just don't get 
um, at least for me, my experience is that I don't get a lot of uh, truly out there people, uh, whereas some of the most normal people, looking people have also been the weirdest and caused more trouble. I think uh, from my perspective, I, I always try to err on the side of caution and, and qualify my statements. So, uh, you know, I, I won't say that there aren't weird people in the horror community as well. I mean, there, yeah. are, there are weird yeah. people everywhere. But I think what I would agree with is that in the horror community, uh, I, I think the best analogy I can make is to say that more of the iceberg is visible than not visible. If that makes sense. I think that's an excellent way to put that. I think because again, you're right. You you can certainly say generals, um, but generals are not the entire picture. Yeah. And while I've had uh, a much more sense of comfort around horror people, you will still get your handfuls. There's always an exception to the rule, no matter what group you're looking at. Uh, and I think that's a beautiful way to put it: is you just see more of the iceberg. You've yeah. got a better sense of what you're looking at. So how about Halloween as an adult? I know you've said that you've uh, participated in this throughout your, your life. Uh, any specific memories uh, as an adult of best costumes or best events, um, positive memories, negative memories? Um, I think as an adult, I don't want to say like the, the interest has waned because that's certainly not it by any means. It's just a little bit harder to get involved because a lot of times, you know, all right, well, I'm working on Halloween. So getting dressed up a little bit more difficult um, yeah. and certainly to the levels that I used to enjoy doing it. Uh, now I kind of have to delegate it toward, you know, when I go to uh, spooky each year, those are the times when I'll put time and effort into getting dressed up. Um I certainly don't plan as much as I used to, you know, what I'm going to be this Halloween, but I still absolutely enjoy every aspect of, of the holiday. And um, I remember being really excited the first Halloween uh, that I got my house because it meant that I got to be the person on the other side of the door giving out mm. candy. I was so excited. And like, um, I, I had almost forgot to do the most important part, which was go buy the candy. I so, thought you were going to say turn on the light. <laughs> well, that, that too. But um, no, so it's like, I, I don't know. It must have been like six or seven at night. So it's already kind of getting into full. And I had no idea like how long it went. Because as a kid, you just went when it was dark and you just, that was it. Mm -hmm. But I ran to the store and I grabbed a bunch of candy and I didn't even think about it um, on my way back. I was like, you know, honey, roll down the window. I want to tell these kids that they can come to my house for candy. So I'm <laughs> the I got candy kids come to my house. <laughs> oh, and then I wonder why I don't get any trick or treaters ever. <laughs> we, just, just out of curiosity, please tell me you weren't in a white panel van. I was not. No, okay, no, it was, uh, it was a, a black Magnum actually, but <laughs> just checking. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'll ever live that one down, but yeah. <laughs> totally dead serious, too. I was so excited. Come on, kids. Come to my house. Show me your costumes. Uh, so I definitely am more excited now about, you know, passing on that that magic to the to the kids, you know, coming up to the, the door now. You know, I, I don't have the same urge to go out and, and do the trick-or-treating uh, like I did at the right young age of, you know, 27. But um, <laughs> uh, 
I, I do like the part where I get to wait for the kids to come and seeing all the different costumes and seeing how excited they are. And my only, you know, regret is that I think in the world that we live in, a lot of people, you know, they don't trick or treat the same way that we did as kids. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting hordes of kids like we should, you know, the neighborhood I'm in, there should be plenty of kids to come by. Um, we'll only get a smattering here and there because most people are taking them somewhere like the mall or something. I was just going to say, it's just not the same. Yeah. And and it's, it makes me really sad because uh, I, I love that moment when the door rings and, and I get to, to see everyone and, you know, ah, I like it. You know, I just had an image of, you know, if you ever have kids, they're probably going to hate Halloween and be bored with it just to be different. Yes. Yep. Probably. <laughs> My dad says that they'll end up being like jocks and, and cheerleaders just to spite me. <laughs> My mom is so lame. <laughs> right. Oh my God. You can come over to my house, but don't don't ask my mom about like you know the skulls laying around the kitchen. She gets really excited about it, and you'll never get her to shut up. Just go straight to my room. Yeah, don't make eye contact. Hey kids, you want to see this bloody finger? Where are you going? Oh god. Uh, what's that body in the in the closet? Don't ask. Just don't just keep going. Don't worry about it. It's not don't a real it. body. Just go. <laughs> Any nightmares or really scary dreams as an adult? Yeah. I think I was in the woods on like a stagecoach. Like, I mean, whatever time period this was in my dream, I don't think it was modern. I think it was like, I don't know, horse and buggy days, which is a weird thing to dream about. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was someone also in a carriage chasing us. And I remember having this, this fear like, oh my God, something bad's gonna happen. And then right after that, the person chasing us fell and had their eye gouged out by a, a deer antler that was in the way or something. And it was very like realistic. And I thought it was odd because, you know, usually I don't get very gory dreams. I've got nothing against gore. My, my dad's a OR tech, so we'd go to take your kid to work day and see inside of people. And I was like, oh, that's, that's neat. That's nice. It's a dude's stomach. Um, you know, gore doesn't get me, but I, I remember just how very realistic the stream was about this eye being gouged out. And I was like, oh, okay, put that in the vault. As intense as, as that moment is, I think that's one of the most important things about horror because fear is a very important thing. Fear is what keeps us alive. Um, your, your brain and body can do a lot of amazing things uh, when you let it just go and, and, and keep you safe. Mm -hmm. Um, and it teaches you how to listen, how to take in information around you, which keeps you sharp and on your toes and ready for whatever predator, whether it be a saber tooth tiger from our long, long ago days, or if it's, you know, someone trying to rob you or kidnap you or whatever. Um, that's what horror does. It teaches you how to respond and react and be Prepare. ready. Yeah. And that's a nice, safe way to do it. You know, just, you know, watch, you know, zombies rip into a person uh, <laughs> that's still alive. <laughs> As one does. As one does. So let, the next couple questions, looking back over your entire life, not just adulthood, what, what movie would you say you've watched more times than any other? And it doesn't have to be horror related. Mm. See? And that's hard because 
I don't tend to to go back on a lot of movies. I don't revisit them very often. Um, I almost want the story to kind of be forgotten a little bit so that I can almost experience again as new. Uh, so I think the most often one, it would be things like probably Labyrinth. Classic. Because <laughs> um, you get that, yeah, that spooky kind of, yeah, the, the puppets and the, the, the creepy little goblins <laughs> and David Bowie. Um, uh, and I'm trying to think if there's anything recent. Um, there is a movie, and I'm trying to remember the name of it, that I actually went out and bought. And I don't typically buy movies because, again, I, I need to almost forget the movie in order to enjoy it again. Oh, it is killing me. Describe um, it. Chris probably knows it. I will do I it. I think it's called The Fall because it's about a, a guy that... Did it involve a guy um, who jumped yeah, off of a bridge to... on a horse and he hurt his leg and then there yes. was a little... Yeah, that was The Fall by Tarsen <laughs> yes, Singh. that's the one. Same director See, as, this uh, is, as The Cell. This is why Chris is my co-host. <laughs> yeah, you know. That is impressive. I am super impressed. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that was a great movie, though. That, oh, was, that was beautiful. It I mean, is so everything gorgeous. he does. And he really likes that desert with, with the white sand and the orange sand in Africa. Apparently. This is and why Chris you know is my what? He can keep you doing know. it. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, like, I'm super impressed because I'm like, how do I describe this when I can only remember <laughs> parts of it? Because it's, I mean, obviously, it's been long enough that maybe I should watch it again. Um, yeah. I mean, you said the title. But I love how, as he's telling the story, like, it's, it's clearly the little girl's kind of imagination because reality will slip into her imagination and it's adorable and i love it <laughs> oh yeah yeah she is just the best part of the whole movie like i watched the making of and and they say how like all the scenes with her lines and everything totally ad-libbed they didn't give her any lines they just they told her to say something and she just said it with like the wonderment and the innocence yeah. of a child and it's just that like oh i just loved her because i was wondering i was like either she is a fantastic actress or <laughs> i don't know because the way she would respond to people. Mm -hmm. oh. A little both. I just want to hug her. <laughs> yeah, she is adorable. Do you see any common threads about what kind of horror or spooky stuff you like in terms of like, is it cannibalism or occult or metaphysical or? Yeah, I would definitely have to say it's, it's that mystery, um, which often comes hand in hand with the occult because that's where you see a lot of that mystery or, you know, um, paranormal yeah, uh, but a lot of times they ruin it by telling you too much. Like, don't say too much, just let it go. Uh, but that's definitely one of my ongoing themes when it comes to particularly horror and spooky things is not having all the information, having to discover it slowly uh, and not being fed it. Um, show, don't tell. I absolutely, yeah, it, it's the ultimate show, don't tell. I love it. So the next question I have is, do you have any idea why it is that you like those things? And I guess the answer you just gave is the joy of discovery. Yeah, I think so, too. I think uh, it's more interactive and more um, involved if you let your audience experience it with you, because that's the thing is... Um, uh, there was a quote from Neil Gaiman once. Someone asked him why he always wrote stories about a plain everyday character that is, you know, kind of put into the world of um, this magical place, uh, and they don't know what to do. They don't know anything about the the rules and the etiquettes, and they kind of have to stumble through it. Uh, you know, why do you keep writing stories like that? And he's like, well, isn't that kind of 
what we all do. We come into this world, we don't know anything about it, kind of have to stumble our way through it and figure it out. Uh, and I think when I go through these pieces of entertainment that does that, where you find out what's going on with the characters, it invokes something in me that just, it feels more realistic, even if it is something improbable, like the Slender Man standing outside the window. Mm -hmm. um, it, it taps into that feeling of, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand, but I'm going to, I'm going to find a way that I, I will get the answers. Um, and I think that's so much more realistic in my head than I've got this guy who's got mother issues chasing me down. Should probably run away from him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so bef before I ask the last question, um, let me kind of summarize what I think I'm hearing are the common things to this point. Um, the things I'm hearing are joy and discovery, strength in discovery, and strength and control in discovery and preparation for the unknown like you don't like not knowing you like knowing does it sound accurate to you that you find some strength in that ability to then know and be prepared for things does it or I am so. i or and do I, it i mean and if i'm off base tell me no i think you you really kind of nailed it because you know even kind of looking back at things i said in this conversation I was saying that, you know, one of the gifts of horror is it gives you safe space to explore some pretty unusual situations that hopefully you'll never find yourself in, but yeah. it gives you a chance to kind of prepare. Well, what would I do if, you know, the zombie apocalypse happened? Like how many people have a legit plan for the zombie apocalypse? Something that will likely never happen, but they still if have a plan. If you could see Chris right now, I'm sure he's raising his hand. <laughs> I have no less than two bug out bags. Smart, very smart. And that's the thing is, even if it's not the zombie apocalypse, who's to say that there isn't some other situation that will make those bug out bags very important, very needed, and, and give you an advantage in whatever situation you find yourself in. Like per se, the, the stupid apocalypse. Yeah. I guess that's already been happening, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right, here's... So so here's sort of the last question. So when we think about all these things that you, you've shared that you would like, the, the joy of the discovery, um, the strength and control, and the mastery of a situation, the preparation, but mm -hmm. why horror? So, and the reason I say that is, for example, knowledge, joy, and discovery, you could find that in science, reading about science. But there, what, do you think there's something about the horror genre that you like in relation to those things? Yeah, I think because, you know, certainly I, I dig into science and everything like that, too. I dig into psychology. Uh, but I think what gives horror a special place is that science deals with logics and facts. You know, we're not here to, you know, fly off into fancy about what ifs that, that are very improbable, like improbable, I should say. Um, you know, science won't deal very much... Yeah, it's impossible, okay? <laughs> uh, they, they're not going to go as far into zombie apocalypse as someone who's into horror because it's just not probable. And why are we going to worry too much about something that improbable when we have real everyday problems that we need to fix? And that's 
a good stance to have, and that's fine. Um, and then you get uh, other forms of entertainment, whether you know sports or um, you know movies, actions, and they, I think, both for good and bad, have the flaw of wanting to make a good, happy, round story. Um, they're not going to throw too much realism or too much, you know, interesting situations that would make it where it's difficult to wrap up that story. Whereas horror, that, that's the entire point. We need to throw out all of the weirdest situations because that's scary. How do I handle something that I know nothing about? Um, how do I handle having a guy that haunts my dreams and kills me while I'm sleeping? Um, no, no other real genre is going to tackle these kinds of ideas. And that's how you learn. Just because the situation, again, shifts and is slightly different, it might not be a zombie apocalypse, but because you prepared for a zombie apocalypse, you're now ready for anything less than that. Um, I think flying off into the, the most far-flung outreaches of situations um, gives you kind of a lot of room to work with to think about what most people would not immediately think is even a possibility. Um, you, while we had those horror movies about, um, you know, Jason and, and um, I'm like real hard on uh, Chainsaw, Texas Massacre. Chainsaw Massacre. You know, these people seem to be just stories, but no, they, they come from actual people, people who have done the serial killers. Um, but a lot of people don't want to have that gritty realism in their face. They, they're, they're here to be told a story, a nice story yeah. where there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And, you know, more than likely there's a happy ending or even if there's a sad ending, it's usually telling some kind of um, moral at the end of it. Uh, well, hold and, on, man. You know, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, in the end, that lady in the truck, she was very happy. <laughs> She was laughing. <laughs> True. <laughs> or House of a Thousand Corpses where, um, you know, the, the one lady got a new mask. <laughs> and then immediately got run over. But I think that was Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, look at you. I got to talk yeah, to you more yeah. about movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's the thing is when, when you are prepared for the most extreme case, uh, that means that you're overprepared for some of these smaller situations. And uh, if I'm going to be overprepared or underprepared, I'm going to choose overprepared. I'd rather have all the things than, than none of the things. Yeah. Better have <laughs> it's a bit of a tangent, but you know, I, I think <laughs> starting off in fairy tales, the whole point of fairy tales is to tell you, here are the bad things that can absolutely happen to you. Mm -hmm. Be prepared. Be vigilant. Don't go into the dark, scary woods in the middle of the night by yourself with um food for grandma don't do it uh and i think horror very much tells that story as well they don't cover up you know reality in the way that a lot of other stories will so if i were to try to summarize that i think in putting in my own words i think what you're saying is at least in the horror genre excess is the point um mm -hmm. whereas in non-horror stuff they may not be as driven to go to some of the extremes that horror does. And as you say, you know, when you go to that kind of excess, it allows you the prep, the uh, allows you the opportunity to at least mentally prepare of the what if scenario that is, 
arises from that telling of that story. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, and you know, I always like to use again the the zombie kind of situation as a good example, just because you know before zombies really took off in in recent times, I, I don't think anyone really had a plan of what to do if you know they were stuck in a situation where civilization has collapsed. Um, whereas nowadays, if it collapses, uh, I'm going to go speak with Chris and see what his plan is and see how I can help. <laughs> to the hills. Find who has control of the library. <laughs> yes, that, that is a good one. So I think uh, I think we've pretty much wrapped up the, um, the main, main portion of this interview. I mean, like, we, we kind of got down to what it is that you enjoy about horror. We've got down to what it is that you like about horror as opposed to other things. Um, I think this one's in the can. I mean, we can put yeah. you down on the spreadsheet of, you know, here's Mia and this is what she likes about horror. Um, you like and as horror. Chris also says, we had some achievements here. You're, you are the first person that uh, has enjoyed the horror related stuff since early age, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Yay. <laughs> hmm. Uh, since normally at this point, you know, if you had something to, uh, to peddle, we would, uh, promote uh, or ask you to promote at this point, but, uh, and we'll, we can keep this part in the interview that, you know, we mentioned, uh, we discussed it before the call I mean, you didn't have anything that she wanted to promote at this point, but, uh, her and her husband are working on some things. And hopefully by the time we get to publish this on our website, she'll have, uh, something that she does want to promote and we'll put a little something in the blog or the bio or something like that and link yeah. that at that time. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty excited. I think it's going to be a really good year and I'm, I'm hoping we can look back at, at the year and be very proud of what we have instead of, you know, learning how to use the bug out bags. <laughs> yes. Uh, I know I speak for both Chris and myself. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with us. We've both enjoyed it. Uh, Absolutely. We hope you have as well. Um, Absolutely. I loved it. And thank you for having me. We're happy to have you. Um, so for the listeners, we'll have a schedule posted on our website to show who we're interviewing um, next, as well as any of the a list of the people we'd like to interview. Uh, again, the website is horrormakesushappy.com. If you know of any of the people on the list and connect us, can connect us with some of those people, please do so. If you know somebody that you'd like to have added to the list, let us know. Um, we're also going to have a bunch of other things that we'll link there. Um, Patreon, social media, merchandise. Stuff. Um, go check that out as well. Again, the website is horrormakesushappy.com. 